Welcome to another episode of Ascend and Transcend with Coach Elizabeth. I am very grateful and excited for our special guest today. Her name is Lauren Gearston, and she is a body connection coach and the creator of the holistic website EmpoweredSustenance.com, which has supported over 40 million readers. Huge. And she's also the author of The Invisible Course that Break Free of Beauty Culture and Embrace Your Radiant Self. And also Beyond the Rule Book, A 30-Day Writing Journey for a Quantum Leap in Your Life. That's coming out now, right? Um, basically in July. The Invisible Corset was a game changer for me. Ladies, especially if you're women and have daughters, I feel like this book is a must read. So thank you so much for being with us this morning, Lauren. Thank you, Elizabeth. It's so good to be here. One of the things that I loved that you touched on in Invisible Corset was about this body and spiritual connection. So I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about that. I think people think, oh, well, I have my spirit and this is this non-physical energy part of me, but then my body is really utilitarian and, you know, I need to kind of force it to confine to what I want to be able to do in my life or manifest. But you say that they actually are completely intertwined and we need to honor that piece of that, right? Yeah. Can I share a bit of my journey? Because I think that would lead to why this is so important. Because the goal of this book, when I was writing it, is to help women realize their bodies are their first and most enduring soulmates. Because that was the game changer for me. And to help women have a spiritual partnership with our bodies, the essence of a spiritual partnership is where we learn soul lessons in relationship Mm -hmm with another being. Lessons that we can only learn in that specific relationship. That's what a soulmate is. And sometimes those lessons are really, really hard. Sometimes they're really, really beautiful. But that is the potential of our relationship Mm -hmm. with our body, not to see our bodies as machines to control, right? But as wise beings to trust. So I really had a huge paradigm shift around this when I was 18 When I was 14, I was diagnosed with a very severe autoimmune disease. And like all throughout high school, I was in and out of the hospital, bedridden on and off, severely, severely ill. My doctors had described autoimmunity basically as my body trying to kill me. And that is what I perceived. I mean, my body was taking away from me everything that I wanted essentially in my life and my doctors put me on medication after medication. The meds failed. I was on more meds for the side effects. When I was 18, I had to drop out of college. I was so ill. And my doctor said, well, your last choice is a surgery to remove part of your colon. They also said that the disease would continue to progress to unaffected tissue. And I would probably have to have more surgeries in the future. They had no good solution. They told me nutrition wouldn't help and that I would need medications for the rest of my life and there were no other alternatives. So that was the story that I was functioning with from the authorities, basically. Mm. And then when I was 18, I had this moment where I picked up a book and it outlined a dietary protocol for basically healing this kind of disease. It was called Breaking the Vicious Cycle. And when I held that book, I clearly heard that faint, that still small voice within all of us. Like it was the voice of my body. And it said, I have to try this. Mm. And I chose to listen to that voice 
instead of all the loud voices that I had heard from allopathic medicine for years and years. The fear. Fear, exactly. Well, and I didn't know, like a lot of people don't know right now, that the, quote, truth or the narrative that you get from pharma and the allopathic Mm -hmm. medicine community, that's bullshit. It's not truth. Mm -hmm. But we think it's reality because they tell us it's reality. Right. So in that moment, I... I mean, within three days of of starting that protocol, I went from bedridden to having energy to feeling great. Within three months, I was off all my meds. And it was so powerful to realize my body was on my side this whole time. She was just trying to talk to me. I wasn't listening, right? right? And so it really was this journey of the more I connected with my body and began to trust my body, the more I got in touch with that inner wisdom that put me on my life path Mm -hmm. in so many different ways and also healed in a major way my relationship to God. Because when we hate our bodies, we essentially hate the God within us. Right. Right. So there's so, there's so much healing there. Yeah. And I believe too, that I believe that we chose our bodies, you know, before we came down. And so when we hate on that, you know, it does a couple of things. I think first, your your point, if we're all pieces of God, and we are, and we're all connected, anytime you're kind of like shooting negativity or hate or loathing at something, whether it's your thighs or because your hair is curly or, or whatever, it really is like a middle finger to like God and like, the body that you were given that you chose, I mean, you chose it. I believe that. I believe you choose your parents. You choose a lot of the major significant things in your life. So even your struggle with your autoimmune disease, like I think that we, I think that we choose that. And so I looked, I always really felt big. I'm almost six feet tall and I'm not model waif thin. So I'm just a larger person and growing up, it really sucked. I just felt like big. I always joked that when I walked into a room, I felt like, you know, like all the guys were looking at me like, that's one big bitch, you know, whatever. That was what was going on in my mind. And that was what I told myself for so many years. And then I thought, well, if I can just find a boyfriend and now, you know, my husband's six, six, but it was like, he just needs to be bigger than me. So I don't feel so fucking big, you know? And then as you grow up, it's, oh, you're growing and you're getting really big. You know, that's what they used to say, you know, in the early eighties or whatever, instead of you're growing tall or look at you growing, you know, or this. And so I think it is a lot of time. It's untraining our brain to not loathe ourselves or get pissed when we get sick or really just kind of changing this relationship of punishment and forcing it to our will to embracing it and then watching it grow, right? Yeah. I love that you brought up, we chose our bodies. That's a big piece of my, my life paradigm. I've had spiritual awakenings around my soul contract and it's something I facilitate for my clients as well. I lead them all through a process to get in touch with their body contracts, essentially, so that they can access that spiritual contract that we made of why we chose our certain body to learn spiritual lessons. Like, we are all spiritual beings having a physical experience on earth. And one of the major lessons that women 
want to experience when we incarnate into a female body in this time period is, is freedom from the invisible corset, right? Learning how to recognize these societally conditioned beliefs that make us as uncomfortable in our bodies as physical corsets once did. But it's like an up-leveling of that lesson because the constraints are mental, not physical. So it's that much harder to get free. But this is also the really important work that we can use to help free other people from the matrix in the world right now, essentially. Because as women practice seeing these invisible constraints and especially the cult-like dynamics and the abusive manipulative techniques from the beauty and the diet industry, the amazing thing is we can see those patterns in the world at large. We can see them in the pharmaceutical industry or our kids' schooling situation or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So I'm really passionate about that that message in the book. I think it's, you know, I really trusted that this book was out in, the, in divine timing. I did not rec- realize when I was writing this book four years ago I mean, that's when I started writing it, that um, the guideposts I gave in the book to recognize mental coercion on mm. big levels in society would be so relevant right now. Right? Talk to us about some of the biggest ones that you see right now. Like, where are they coming from? Just so there can be some awareness around them. Oh, yeah. Well, we are in the the biggest pinnacle of a spiritual battle that the earth has ever seen at this point in history. And again, talk about a spiritual contract. We all chose to incarnate at this time so we can learn lessons of free will. This is a battle of absolute evil against absolute good. New Age spirituality likes to tell us that there is no such thing as absolute evil. That is absolutely not true. I have looked it in the eyes. (laughs) I have seen the darkest, darkest manifestations of evil. Yeah. That was not a, a spiritual awakening that I would choose. It was awful, but it was what yeah. my soul needed to recognize the epic proportions and what we're really dealing with. In And that was darkness within you or that you saw in somebody else? That, that I saw in somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Like demonic presence, basically. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, that was, yeah, <laughs> that's another part of my story. Like I, I had a formative experience with a spiritual psychopath and somebody oh. who did call on the darkest forces on earth in an individual relationship. And I recognize now that that is what's happening on a global level, that people right. in control are calling on those same forces to have ultimate control over people's free will on a mass level. And I, I really loved an invisible corset too. When you talk about, there was one story that really kind of resonated when you said, you know, you were going on a date with your boyfriend and you had this, I think it was like a bandage dress and you hadn't eaten carbs in two weeks and you're like on these high heels and you get up to go to the restroom and you see, you know, you get the attention of all of the men in the restaurant and it really makes you kind of cower, like go in within yourself because you feel these eyes on you, maybe attention you don't want and you question why am I doing all of this to feel sexy? This isn't feeling, this isn't making me feel sexy. This is making men feel, you know, aroused or whatever. And it was, I mean, that was like, boom. I mean, all, what are we doing, right? We're, we're, you're, there's all this rise in cosmetic surgery and breast implants and lip injections. And women, I feel like we're 
we're lying to ourselves when we say it's to make us feel sexier, us feel good about ourselves. I'm calling bullshit on that, just like you. I mean, it's like, no, we're just trying to make men horny, I guess. I, I don't know. But I don't think that that is sexy. And when you're bound in uncomfortable lingerie and again, your feet are hurting. Like I, I think that just introducing that idea to women so they can have an awareness of it. I'll tell you, I went on a date night with my husband the next night and I did not wear heels. <laughs> I was like, I don't give a shit because I'm just going to wear what makes me feel comfortable. And I never would have done that before reading your book and really having that awareness. So I love where you're kind of breaking down this conditioning, right? It can be in all different areas of our lives, but specifically the beauty industry and, you know, the rising cosmetic surgery. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you're seeing? Absolutely. So that's such an important piece to realize that sexiness is not a prescribed appearance for women. It is an experience of ourselves and our own bodies. Um, so I, you know, when I had that moment and I was not connected to my true self or my true self expression and what that looked like and what that felt like, I was being manipulated by the beauty and diet industries who told me in order to have value and success and love in your life, you have to buy our products and control your body in a certain way. And then you will have everything we have dangled at the end of the hook, basically, for you. Right. So I think that a lot of women, they manipulate and contort their bodies in all these ways and say, I'm doing this for myself. This is my choice. I address this in my book because it's such a big thing to look at. That is our free will being usurped. So in this case, it's really important to understand consent is not a matter of did you say yes? Like, did you say yes to all these things? Consent is a matter of, could you have said no? Mm. And in order to say no, we have to understand the, the power of these marketing messages, the lineage of messages that we get from our families and our moms and everything we pick up in our community. In order to say no to these things that are actually hurting us and making us so uncomfortable, and to say yeah. no to spending more money on beauty than we do on our education. We that have was such to a huge point in your book, by the way. Mm -hmm. Like, I loved that. And I, I mean, the book is genius anyway, so you have to read it, everyone. But that was another big, like, call out, like, holy shit, right? And not only that, when you're so focused on trying to pretty yourself up or getting whatever is new or the next skin cream, we're distracted from taking our real power in government and things like this so that you can rise higher. It's like, look over here, pay attention to this. Well, while a lot of the men and the patriarchy continues to grow and increase their power, every all these women are, I mean, how much time do we spend on analyzing what we fucking ate last night? And then yeah. how many hours today we have to work out to burn it off? Or does our hair look good? Or that's all incredibly valuable time. We could be educating ourselves. Right. Well, that's a really big misconception that I had when I started writing the book is that there's this big patriarchy with the capital P out there trying to oppress women in the West. In right. the West, there's not. Like we really have, we've gotten equality in all of its forms written into law in America. Who is oppressing women in America? Women. <laughs> Our mindsets. Women, exactly. Women. Right. We, and right. it's interesting because we are the ones who are, you know, perpetuating all these messages 
in women's magazines. Women are writing the friggin' articles in women's magazines saying you should get Botox or breast implants or get your genitalia all cut up and mutilated, to, right. mutilated to look a certain way now. Like, and this is all supposed to make you sexy when you are actually getting surgeries that diminish the erotic sensation right. in these aspects of your body. No, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. This is women being so brainwashed <clears throat> into self-hatred that they don't realize that they are putting out messages that have the impact of hating other women, right? And teaching other girls to hate their bodies. And these these magazines are yeah. and they're so insidious now because they try to cloak it in feminism by saying, "Well, it's your choice." And this can make you confident. And if it's if it makes you confident and it's your choice, then it's empowering. And that's feminism. That's not feminism. Right? right. Like that is yeah. old conditioning. I and totally I do- agree with you that it's like a lot of girl on girl crime here. But I will say, like when I talk about patriarchy, I, I do feel like it still exists. And when I was in corporate America and working in like women's skincare and fem high, you know, which you would think would be like women making these decisions at the tippy tippy top of most yeah. of these large companies are men. And the, and you will see some bias as far as who's getting promoted, who's getting this or that. And the thinner you are, the prettier you are, the more complacent you are, you definitely are rewarded. And I felt that firsthand in my career. I lost like 20 pounds, I think before my wedding. And then all of a sudden it was like, huh, you know, I was getting promoted and I was like up on stages, you know, at national meetings and stuff. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, you know? And so I think that there is still a piece of that, but you're 100, I 100% agree that the bulk of this is now women on women and we're creating this problem. I, I, I agree. I, I agree that it can be both. And I appreciate hearing your experience, especially in the beauty industry there. Um, and what's interesting, and I'll just add this for people to think about too, is I work with a lot of very powerful women in my coaching who, because they are so you know powerful, driven, career-oriented, they have the ability to really powerfully turn that energy against themselves. So when mm-hmm. I'm working with them around career, job promotion, um, developing self-confidence in that arena... Interestingly enough, they are always the ones, in my experience, I'm going to say always, I know this could be different for people in other situations, who are subconsciously and energetically holding themselves back because they are working with that narrative you just said of, I have to be thin in order to get promoted because that's who I see getting promoted. I have to invest Mm -hmm. my energy into appearance because when I look outside of me, that's what I'm see happening. But if we work at a level of radical self-responsibility, which is basically your mindset has the most crucial influence over your life. And yes. there's always room for exceptions. Like the most empowering thing we can do is, is have the belief, no matter how the system has functioned before, it's not fair. And I have the power to change it. I have the power to have my energy speak louder than my appearance. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the most, one of the most empowering messages women can function with. 
when we can rewire our brains in that way, that is the result we are going to see in our society. Uh, And so I just get excited about that because when these women realize, well, maybe it's true that there is some influence of beauty bias. There's clear data that there is some beauty bias at play, certainly in different workplace situations. But when we can function with the belief, my energy is so powerful and my mind is capable of creating the life I want to and changing unfair structures, it creates such powerful change from a place of like gentle feminine energy. Yeah. So that's what I love saying. And it has to start somewhere. I mean, to your point, it's like, (laughs) you know, I was trying to explain some of this to my husband. I was so excited to have you on as a guest. And I'm like, oh my God. And he's heard me like, I'm like quoting your book left and right because we have daughters, right? And I already see it with like my nine-year-old, you know, the other day we're pulling up to school and her friends there. And in California, you know, they wear short shorts, like girls just wear, I mean, they're basically denim underwear. And my daughter will not wear, I will not, I will not buy that for her. It's not happening. But all of her little surfer girl friends, she goes, oh, I'm so ugly. And they, they always look better than me and they always have better clothes. And a piece of me died, Lauren. I was like, no, you know, the very thing I was like trying to protect her from is already happening in third grade. And I was horrified. And so it's been this, you know, I'm trying to get my husband on board as well. I mean, he's always been on board, but you know, just like help him learn, like what, what, how are we going to kind of address this with our children? Because I think to your point, pretending like things aren't happening is not working. But I think collectively, women need to be pioneers, if you will, and have the courage to not play that game. Because as, as long as, as long as we're still playing it, it's going to continue to happen. Right, right. Yeah, it's what's that Audre Lorde quote that I put in the master's tools cannot dismantle the master's house. That's exactly what you're saying. If we keep playing the game, we can't change the game. And leaving the game looks like recognizing that our power lies in our energy and our mindset more than it does in our appearance. That's not to say our appearance can't be fun and self-expressive. Like a lot of women have tons of feminine energy. And so it's going to feel really natural and right for them to spend time on hair and makeup every day and wear more Mm -hmm. traditionally feminine clothing. But the important thing is to have every woman take this journey to self-expression so she can make that free will choice from herself, not from inadequacy or fear or shame, but from joy and self-celebration. You know, and I think that that doesn't include mutilation. I mean, I think that there's a line, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, okay, I can spend time on my hair, makeup. I love to how you said, you know, go through and look at what you're doing. Is this like helping you? Like, will you have more time in the morning if you cut your hair short, you know, or if you like have clothes picked up? I mean, all of these kind of things, right? I think if it's something that is taking away from your energy and the time that you have to put towards other things, Maybe it's philanthropic work. Maybe it's writing a book that you've always wanted to do. You know, I mean, all of this stuff, all this time you could reclaim. That's one thing. But I think it's another thing. And I'm not, I don't want to shame anybody, you know, who has had plastic surgery or something. If anything, I empathize because I feel like you must have something really going on, a disconnection if you feel the need to go under the knife. And so if anything, I I have compassion for that, not judgment. But I feel like these kinds of conversations about, you know, what the expectations are, are really important. Because if we keep 
ratcheting up, you know, how sexy we're going to be at work or how much of that feminine energy we're going to kind of leverage, right, with the powers that be that might be male. I think that it just keeps making the bar higher. And then for the people who don't want to play that game, it makes it impossible to feel like you're on in an egalitarian playing field. Yeah. And that's such a good point. There is a line when it is coming down to inflicting pain and mutilation on the body. You know, what's really interesting is just for women to reflect on why is it a value in society that we all look the same? Like this is what is happening in the plastic surgery industry right now. It used to be women would go in and they would say to the plastic surgeon, make me look 10 years younger. I want to look like me, but 10 years ago. Or, you know, getting a nose job to look like a certain celebrity. But now it is, I want to look like this Instagram influencer with the, what is it called? The snatch look and the like frozen (laughs) forehead. But they all look the same, which is so bizarre that there is this trend. Uh, And same with bodies. Like there's this movement towards, well, there always has been a movement towards a certain um, female quote, ideal body that goes in and out of style, just like clothing does. Yeah. But why, why are we having this concept of a normal ideal woman's body that's as toxic as having the concept of an ideal race? It doesn't make sense. Yes. You said that in the book too. And that was one, I mean, that one hundred percent landed, right? It's like, if we all want to look like this, then what are we saying about people who don't look like that, right? It's an egalitarian, right, thought. Yeah, why? Well, and it is a reflective of a spiritual sickness that is instilled by our culture, this belief that it's not safe to be our unique self, that Mm. we should strive to be something else besides who we truly are. And if we see that in our culture right now, that's very manifest. There is Mm -hmm. a whether it's in, you know, success culture in the workplace or academia or whatever it may be, it's all like keep up with the Joneses, right. try to achieve a standard instead of achieve who you truly are. So what are a couple of tips that we could give listeners as far as kind of getting back into alignment with our soul and the presence within our bodies. Are there a couple of things that maybe they could integrate into their day or their week or their month that could just kind of bring that focus back on the inside and reconnecting to our physical bodies? Yeah. So one of the exercises in the book is that channeling your body's voice writing exercise. Mm-hmm. So I can talk about that one, whether people get the book or not. So this was such an important piece of my own journey was doing a process called speed writing, where you keep your pen moving on the paper. And what happens is you access your subconscious, you write faster than your inner critic can censor you. And that's the magic. So in my own journey, I would have a lot of moments where I had been filtering out my inner wisdom throughout the day you know, I wouldn't let my mind go there because it was, it's scary to mm-hmm. face our intuition and to listen to our intuition. Totally. But when I got into the speed writing process, it would just come out on the page and then I'd be like, oh, fuck. Well, I got to right. deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's what got me to freedom in the end. What was kind of the, 
the goal then with the speed writing? Was it just to write down anything that came to your mind when you're sitting with a piece of paper? Yeah. Well, specifically for the exercise that I recommend in getting reconnected with your body's wisdom, you write from the voice of your body. Hmm. So like you're going to start a letter to yourself, dear your name. I would write dear Lauren. Then I'm going to say, this is your body. And this is what I want to tell you today. And you set a timer for like five, six minutes and you just write as fast as you can. You don't edit. You don't pay attention to grammar or spelling. And you see what comes out on your paper at the end. You sign off. That's all for now. Love your body. And some really beautiful things can come through. I was just going to say, so when you did that, was the tone one of love and compassion versus the negative voices? It always is. I have done this yeah. with so many women and so many workshops and it always is. It's always gentleness and love, but sometimes it yeah. is firmness and truth. Mm, that's so good. Well, I can't say enough good things about the book. You guys, this is just like an itty bitty taste of all of the magic and insight that is in the book. And I love how you really come with some hard truths, but at the same time, you are really open and you really encourage everybody to be flexible with what that looks like for you. We're not, this isn't a show about, you know, fight back, don't wear makeup, don't do this, don't do that, where it's like women judging other women. It's more about just having an awareness of maybe why you're motivated to do certain things, question that and just make sure that it's in alignment with what your your body soul really wants you to experience during this wonderful manifestation in this physical plane. So thank you again, everybody. Check out Lauren. Lauren, why don't you tell them where they can find more information on you? Yeah, so I'm at body underscore connection underscore coach on Instagram. My coaching is at foodwithoutfearprogram.com. Not specifically for people who want to get out of the mindset of control, um, food control, body manipulation, and have an intuitive relationship with food. My book is invisiblecorset.com. And then this new journaling uh, workbook that I have being released in July is beyondtherulebook.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And everybody definitely bare minimum, get the book and follow her on Instagram. She's got wonderful things. I love starting my day off with some of your contents. Thank you, Elizabeth. <laughs> 